speech from the beginning of the movie yeah but that sounded like a lot of effort <laughs> i decided in honor of this movie i will be talking like this to match my enthusiasm to theirs in the film everything will be monotone and i will not change from this level i think you should also hold your hands at your side the whole time yeah, and slide out of, like, back out of rooms rather than turn and walk out. Yeah. You should have also put a gun in your hand to just wave around. <laughs> because that's the level of attention this movie was given. Yeah. None of these people attended acting school, I'm convinced. I read some interesting things about them when we were, when I was writing some notes down. Well, I'm very interested to hear because from my observation of them in this film, no one wanted to be there. I think they all wanted to be there, but... They didn't act like they wanted to be there. This was them. Hi, Nigel. I'm so glad you had me on this podcast. Like, their voice, that was bad. Well, we could keep talking about it, or I could introduce the podcast. Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night, the only podcast in which a husband and wife talk about movies they watched on their date night. As always, I am Nigel from AJourneyIntoFilm.com, and with me is my wife, Caitlin. Hello. And Caitlin is super sick right now, so this is going to be a blast, yep. maybe. Um, this week, in case, well, you probably read the podcast title, but this week we're talking about the 1959 film Plan 9 from Outer Space, which was written, directed, and produced by Edward D. Wood Jr., and it's considered to be the, the worst film ever made. And I don't agree with that at all. I, okay... There's two things that you have to understand about me. One, I grew up watching bad sci-fi movies with my dad most of my life. I've seen a lot of bad sci-fi movies. Two, I thoroughly enjoy the 1940s and 1950s. So the, the time era of this film was two thumbs up. And... I mean, just from my experience watching bad movies with my dad, it it wasn't the worst sci-fi movie I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's really... I think the problem with calling a movie like this the worst movie of all time is... Well, like, it's definitely... It's definitely a bad movie. Like, it's not well made at right, all. Right, right. But at the same time... It's not like it's unbearable to watch. No, it's really not unbearable. It's like a very campy 1950s movie. Yeah. I mean, you and I had a lot of fun pointing out all of the nonsense that was happening in it. Right. And so 
like calling it the worst movie ever made is probably not accurate. Yeah. Although this is only an hour and nineteen minutes. Like it's not unbearable. No. Uh, but n- notably, this movie kind of kicked off the whole idea that there could be a worst movie ever made. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, I. Don't know why, but I didn't write down the book. It was like the Golden Turkey Awards or something like that. Like that was where uh, Michael Medved said it was the worst movie ever made. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, And just like a little background on Ed Wood. He was, he's pretty much like the poster child of bad, so bad they're good movies from the 1950s and earlier. He uh, was famous for being a crossdresser. He really liked, uh, I want to say Argyle, but that's not, Agora Sweaters. And, uh, in fact, he made a movie with himself in it called Glenn or Glenda about a crossdresser. Uh, he's made a lot of interesting movies. And he, like, none of them are, by today's standards, considered to be particularly good movies. He, if you have the time and you want to watch a good movie about Ed Wood, then you should watch Ed Wood that was made by Tim Burton. It's got Johnny Depp and a bunch of other people in it. Did I watch that? We did watch that. It was okay. a very good movie. I don't even know where, where else to begin. I think you just jump right into this bad boy. I mean, we could. I was thinking that because you're sick that this might be like our shortest episode that we've ever made. Well, the movie's only an hour and 19 minutes, too, which, again, is another reason why it can't be the worst movie ever made. It's an hour and 19 minutes. Like, what else are you going to do? Just shut up and watch it. Like, it's not that bad. I guess to give some context and some just some background for the movie, he, Ed Wood, very rarely took, did a shot twice. So what you see is what you get. (laughs) Um, which on the one hand, it's like, well, that's bad filmmaking. But on the other hand, he financed all of his own movies Mm. or he struggled to find financing for all of his movies. And so film is expensive. Mm -hmm. And so he, it's like, it's not like he could afford to do it. Yeah. And I think from this movie, this being the only Ed Wood movie that we've seen Mm -hmm. so far, there's more on the list. (laughs) Uh, he... Definitely had an imagination that was bigger than his budget. Yeah. And I think given more money, perhaps he could have been a better filmmaker. Yeah, if he had, like, someone to look over his stories, too. But, I mean, I think that he did... I mean, I will always have a special place in my heart for films like these. However, I understand that (laughs) the look of the movie was certainly not great, It looks like they're standing in front of curtains for over 90% of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then if there's not a curtain directly behind them, the lighting is weird where, like, it was nighttime, but then you can clearly tell it was filmed during the day. And then they have these little trees that are smaller than the people there. It was just all very... And tombstones that flop back and forth when people walk by them too quickly. (laughs) Yeah, so I even my favorite is when the um the husband and wife are at the house and he's leaving to go fly his whatever she calls it in the blue sky 
and he's getting in his car and there's just a big screen. Like you can literally tell or a sheet. Like you can literally tell that there's just a sheet right next to his car and he can't even get in his car all the way because the sheet's right there. And it's Well yeah, just, he gets in through the passenger, passenger side. side. <laughs> like, oh, you couldn't have like turned the car around or yeah. I don't that was that was a little rough. And then there's like the mic that you can see. Oh yeah, for a you can good see part the of the mic scene. in several scenes. Yeah, and the shadow of it, and not to mention the worst looking airplane cockpit I've ever <laughs> seen in a movie. <laughs> it was it's, literally two seats and a shower curtain. That's with all like it was. Two wooden boards <laughs> painted black in like the thought of an airplane steering wheel. Yeah, is it still a wheel in an airplane? Sticks. Steering <laughs> column thingy. Um, there was one other thing that... Oh, this is also the last movie that Bella Lugosi was in. That's right. And he died while he, filming it. Yeah. So there's a lot of shots in this movie. Basically, Ed Wood filmed all of these shots with Bella Lugosi because they were pretty tight towards the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh if you Bella Lugosi actually has like a really tragic career, uh, if you you should read about it, or you can go listen to the podcast. Uh, you must remember this because they do a whole series on Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff, mm-hmm. and it's very sad. But anyway, Ed Wood he filmed all these scenes with Boris Karloff, and he didn't know what he was going to do with them, and then he died, and. So he just recycles this footage that he took of him. And it's like him walking out of his house and smelling flowers and <laughs> walking through some trees in his Dracula costume. Uh, that should be noted. In case you didn't know, Bela Lugosi, famous for being the first person to play Dracula. Right. Uh, or like the universal monster, Dracula. Because there are other vampires before that. Uh, and so he didn't... So in order to, like, finish the movie, he borrowed his wife's chiropractor to stand in for him. And anytime it's Bela Lugosi, you can tell. But you can also tell when it's the chiropractor because he doesn't look anything like Bela Lugosi. <laughs> and he always has his cape in front of his face. So you can only see his eyes and, like, the back of his head. <laughs> it was very clever. For yeah, the budget it, I, he was given. I mean, he definitely was very creative yes. for what he was given. That's right. Um, I couldn't find any substantial information on this, but I do know that part of this movie was financed by a church, and the church didn't like the original title, Grave Robbers from Outer Space. <laughs> so they also... Uh, so he changed it to Plan 9 from Outer Space after they finished filming. Why did the church fund this? I don't really... I couldn't find the whole story. Oh. But they do... I mean, they show it in uh, the Tim Burton movie. I just didn't know how accurate it was, and I tried oh. to find it. Uh-huh. Um, but I couldn't find anything like conclusive enough to definitely say. That's funny. But it sounds like he... Like, in the Tim Burton movie, he is looking for people to finance it, and so he convinces this church, and the church says, oh, we'll do it as long as you and your cast and crew get baptized. (laughs) That's so silly. Yeah. Uh, Which I also thought that was kind of funny, knowing that, because there is that scene at the end of the movie 
where the, uh, I want to call him Elroy, but that's not the name of the alien guy. Um, I could not tell you anyone's name in this whole film. Well, that's true. Um, it was, crap. You're talking about the guy that was wearing the knight's costume that was like a kid's dress-up clothes? No, no, no. That oh. was the ruler. Okay. Where is the guy? The costumes in this film. Are top-notch. Oh, they're so great. I think that costume Eros. should have won an award. Eros. Eros was his name. Uh, he says a line later in the movie that's like, do you think it's so foolish that even we could think of a concept like God or something like that? And it's just like, it's like, I wonder who put that in there. Yeah. So I think that gives all of the, con- oh, the other thing I wanted to, to point out, I'm just going to throw out all the facts at the beginning because okay. this helps contextualize a lot of this movie. Okay. The, uh, the main there's not really a main character, but the main character, Jeff Trent, played by Gregory Walcott. Apparently the he, pilot? Yeah. Okay. With the wife. Yeah. Apparently he never said no to, an, to like, an acting gig. Oh. And that's why he was in this movie. And arguably, he is a little bit better than everybody else in this movie. Yeah. He did all right. Yeah, I guess he was okay. Oh, no, I feel like the people in the Grace were the best because... They didn't have lines. This is true. Although this is the only Ed Wood movie which Tor Johnson had dialogue and you can barely understand what he's saying <laughs> for the time that he's saying anything. Um, so the movie opens up with this Criswell guy and he was famous for having a TV show called Criswell Predicts in which he would like predict the future and stuff. And so this movie oh, opens really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, That's funny. You didn't know that? No. I thought, I to- I thought we talked about that. Um, no episodes of the show exist, so this is like the best approximation for what his show is actually like. But he narrates the entire movie, mm-hmm. and apparently he wrote his own narration, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it, the whole thing together doesn't make sense, right. but the individual moments when he's talking... I guess makes sense. So I just want to read a little bit of this opening speech and then a little bit of the ending speech because this will just kind of show you how inconsistent he is. He says, Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. So he's telling a story... About something in the future. Right. This is important to know. Then later he says, And now, for the first time, we are bringing you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. Okay? So in the future. Telling us a story <laughs> about what happened in the future. Right. Then he says, You've seen this incident based on... Oh, this is the ending speech. He says, My friend, you've seen this incident... Incident based on sworn testimony. Can you prove that it didn't happen? No, we can't (laughs) because it's in the future. And so basically like his whole thing is like, hey, I'm going to tell you this story about something that happens in the future. But it's also implied that we don't know if this is actually going to happen or not. But we have people based on sworn testimony who actually... (laughs) 
Uh-huh. The future isn't permanent. It can change. Yeah. So we open up on a funeral for an old man's wife. Mm-hmm. And there's an airplane flying, and we're introduced to Jeff Trent. And while they're flying by, a flying saucer goes roaring past them. And they More say, like whoa. A plate. Well, so it's actually, and I, I'm at fault for this because I told you it was like plates and hubcaps and stuff. Yeah. But I guess it's, that's like one of those like movie myths oh, really? that's going around. It's actually like some model spaceship that he bought. Okay. Okay. And if you watch in the later scenes in the movie, they actually like glued a, bo- a block on the bo- bottom of it. So that whenever they go into the spaceship at the end and it just looks like a square building, like, so that it's, like, consistent. Oh, boy. That's what they were worried about being consistent on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this saucer lands in this graveyard and they bring this, the old man's wife back to life, who is Vampira, famous for late night monster movie shows. Uh, she was part of... Edward's click at this point. He had a click of people that he hung out with. She looks like someone that would hang out with Edward. Oh, for sure. She's, she's kind of scary looking. Like, no one should have a waist that tiny. Oh, yeah. It was sick. Or eyebrows that high. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, she kills some grave diggers. And then we cut to one of the shots of Bella Lugosi walking out his front door. And Criswell's telling us that he's in mourning. Mm-hmm. And as he walks off the side of the screen, inserts some car sounds, and we're told that he was in a car accident and he has also died. Yeah. I kind of missed that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those movies where if you're not paying attention to it, you do wonder what's... Like, you can't tune out and then tune back in because yeah, they explain I I <laughs> so much of what's happening in the dialogue. Yes. There's like, a lot of exposition in this. Like so much. And yeah. that's the only way that you can really figure out what's going on. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so then we find out that this pilot, Jeff and his wife, they live next to the graveyard, which I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the fence in their backyard is, like, all janky. Yeah. <laughs> like, the boards are all curved, and you would never use boards like that for no. a fence. Uh, he, tells, he, he tells his wife, like, oh, I saw a flying saucer. You better keep the doors locked. And I guess, like, the army at this point has told him he has to be quiet about everything. Right. Um, and then... They're, like, sitting out on their back porch. Yeah, they're sitting on their back porch. There's some police people in the graveyard at this point checking out the death of the grave diggers. Mm-hmm. And this huge wind from the saucer knocks everybody down. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> right. And it's really funny to listen to them describe the the the... They call it the exhaust from the flying saucer yeah. later. But it's really funny to listen to them describe it because they say that it was neither hot nor cold. <laughs> it just was. It just was. It was wind. If anything, 
Ed Wood has a fantastic imagination yeah. for the science fiction. He does. And this movie is also notable for combining different genres of 50s horror with like nuclear stuff and zombies and horror and aliens, sci-fi. It's kind of an amalgamation that doesn't work. Yeah, it works fine. <laughs> <laughs> um so this is where we see Tor Johnson and he uh they go to the graveyard and they see Vampira and not Bella Lugosi as zombies and they attack them and he is killed and <laughs> the new the guy who like becomes detective after him says but one thing's sure Inspector Clay is dead murdered and somebody's responsible. <laughs> that was probably more emotion than what he had in it. That was probably a lot more emotion. And this is the guy that throughout all of shooting is like pointing his gun at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say he did that because like he wanted to see how far he could like push Ed Wood before he would like say something or notice? Yeah, that's the story that I've been told. I couldn't find anything about that. Mm. Uh, I want to believe it. I, so. it's very believable. Yeah. He's just, he's just waving his gun like all <laughs> over, like scratching his head with it, using it to point at things, pointing <laughs> at other people, which is not proper gun safety. No, it is not. At <laughs> all. Uh, so then we see all these newspapers that are talking about there's flying saucers and they're all over the place. And the military in typical fashion says, we're going to shoot them out of the sky. That's right. Can I say my favorite line? Because yeah. I think we skipped over it already. Yeah. Okay. This is when the pilot is leaving his wife to go back to fly his plane. He says to her, he says, um, you know, be careful, lock up. And she goes, oh, the flying saucers are up there. The graveyard's over there. And I'll be locked up in there. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of writing is that? Like, you know how Tarantino is really good at writing dialogue that it doesn't necessarily sound natural. Like, it's it, he definitely has, like, a particular sound to mm -hmm. his dialogue. Mm -hmm. But it, like, makes sense. Yeah. And it kind of has, like, a naturalistic right. sound. This is the opposite of that. Yeah. It's like, let me write everything that I think that I've heard people say <laughs> or how they would respond to it. Like... She was narrating for us, like, just just so you know, here's our house location. The flying saucers would be up there. The graveyard's over there. And my house is over here. Like Just to catch you up on, like, <laughs> where people are right, right now. Right. This is Game of Thrones where we need to update you on everybody's location. <laughs> That's what I felt like she was doing. I was like, okay, lady. I still don't understand why this couple had to live near the graveyard, but that's fine. It's it's believable. Some people do that. So then we cut to the aliens, and this is where we meet Eros and his friend. I don't remember what her name is. Nope. Julie or something like that. No, that's I the guy's wife. I literally can't remember anyone's name. Basically, they tell their ruler that they're going to implement Plan 9. Plan 9. We don't ever find out what plans 1 through 8 are. <laughs> we need a movie on that. Yeah, we do. Um, please describe what the ruler is wearing. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> we meet Eros and his lady commander friend. And they're in, like, 
these shiny tunic looking things. Yeah. With like spandex, what are those? Leggings? Yeah. And they have like a half moon shape over their. Uh, work. Shiny outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like on the right side of their chest, you know, where people would have like symbols of authority if they're right. in the army or whatever, mm-hmm. with like a little like lightning strike on it. Right. To show that they're from space. To show that they are from space. Right. Um, I don't know if you noticed his boots either, but they were pretty spectacular with some kind of like decorative. Like, I imagine sure they that were they were women's. black and gold. Yeah, they were definitely <laughs> women's boots. Uh, but the ruler looks like he's dressed up to go to a renaissance <laughs> fair. Like This is my favorite costume in the whole movie. Oh, it's the best. He had, like, <laughs> like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like, their roby things that they have. Because his in the middle of it just has like a picture of a of like a war axe on yeah. it, or like some kind of medieval insignia. Yeah, he looks insignia. like he's gonna go to a, a Renaissance fair for sure, but he's supposed to be like an a alien. space Renaissance fair. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even look like he's going to a space Renaissance no. fair though. No, it, they. I mean, they got this costume from some kid. They just, they probably stole it off the <laughs> rack at some Halloween store. They like, probably did. Like a costume for a knight. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. That was great. Um. Oh, this is when... Uh, Isn't he also sitting at a table with this, like, telephones next to him? Yeah, he's just <laughs> sitting at, this, at a desk. Every... Every room... Every set... Looks like it was very much filmed on a set. Minus, like, the bedroom in the house. Yeah. Like, I think that house actually belonged to somebody. I could see that. Except for maybe the back, the fence. Yeah. <laughs> that fence was definitely... That was fake. Um, This is when the the pilot guy leaves. After okay. we... Oh, so we, we hear about Plan 9, which is, like, bringing the dead back to life. Okay. But we don't know so the I purpose yet. So, I was confused. So... He wanted to bring the dead back to life, but then, like, the aliens would inhabit the dead person's body? No, 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 no. no. They were just using the thing that looks like a gun as, like, like, a remote control. Remote control. Yeah. So they would just wander around. Because I never really saw them do anything. The dead people? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I they mean, just wander around. Well, they're supposed to terrorize people. Okay, so this is the aliens' plan. <laughs> Basically, this alien race is centuries ahead of our own. They make that abundantly clear. On several occasions. Yeah. These these aliens are so pretentious about how much <laughs> better they are than humans. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so basically they say, hey, these Earth people, they're building weapons at an exponential rate. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, no, now that they've done the hydrogen bomb... The next logical bomb for them to make is a bomb out of sunlight, <laughs> which will destroy the entire universe. And so they, using Plan 9, because Plans 1 through 8 apparently have failed, uh, one of those probably being communication, because they do mention trying to communicate with people. Yeah. They decide, we're going to bring the dead back to life and use this to... 
stop them from making this bomb. It the the I don't understand how that would work though, but okay. I guess it wasn't really clear if they wanted to terrorize slash destroy humanity mm-hmm. or if they wanted to talk more. Like if this was like their way of terrorizing us into talk, because it kind of sounds like both options are on the table. Right. They weren't in like you never saw them do anything like unforgivable or like horrific. Like they weren't really like awful aliens. No. They were just more like, we're going to bring your dead back to life and yeah. scare you. Yeah. But the funny thing is, they only bring three dead people back to life, but they acknowledge how that's not great at one point. Yeah. Three people in yeah. the whole world. And the ruler also gets mad at Eros and says, like, you're not doing your job right, so, so I'm, I'm taking take all your, your ships. ships away. And Eros is like, but I need more ships. And they're like, tough cookies. <laughs> That was pretty great, too. Because those other ships were so important to the rest of the story. We never even saw them. I think it's implied that we see them during the oh. scene where the military is shooting at them. Oh, okay. Which was, like, stock footage that Ed Wood used. So that's another little fun fact. <laughs> um, so then Trent's wife is left in her house, but the old man zombie breaks in and... She runs away, ignore that car horn. Uh, All the zombies go back. So then we go back to the Pentagon. And this is where everything is explained. Not really. So what what city were they in? So the Pentagon is in. Well, yeah. But like the rest of it was in Hollywood. Okay. Because he, because during the scene he out. says, do you want to go, or like, you're going to go to Hollywood, like you're on the next plane to Hollywood or whatever. I think I missed that. Yeah, you were sleeping when we watched it a little bit ago. Well, the first time we watched it, I don't remember. So this, this general guy says to uh, this other guy, I don't remember this guy's name. Oh. Uh, let's back up just a little bit because we're in, we see the Lieutenant again with the police officers and they're checking out the grave again and they, uh, go to Inspector Clay's grave in my favorite scene of the entire movie (laughs) where they're like, you can't go down there. You need permission from next of kin. Well, how do we get that? Well, we're going to have to go down there. (laughs) (laughs) And then the guy's like, are you sure? Well, if I wasn't sure, I wouldn't have said it. <laughs> uh, one of the police officers looks like Joe Latruglio. Yes, he does. in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So which is much. Very funny. I want that guy to be his, like, great-grandfather or something. That'd be very funny. That would be great. Basically, all of these police officers are the most unenthusiastic people ever. You just listen to their dialogue, and it's, like... It's like a first-time acting class or whatever. I don't think any of these people have ever been in a movie before or acted or anything. Uh, That's all I have to say about that. No, it's like they're an improv class. So at the Pentagon, Mm -hmm. this general guy uh, is talking to this other guy, colonel or something, 
you know what? Let me look that up real quick because Colonel Edwards. Cool. So Colonel, he's talking to Colonel Edwards, and he says, "Hey, do you believe in aliens?" And we find out that Colonel A- Colonel Edwards does believe in aliens because he is in charge of some alien task force with the military. Even though the government's official statement is there is no alien life. That's what we're told by the general. Right. So it's like, why would the government even pay this guy to be in charge of aliens if there weren't, if the government didn't believe in aliens? Right. So then this general says, oh, hey, the aliens have been communicating with us. We have this machine that translates their language. Here's some tapes that we found. Right. And so he plays back the tapes. And this is where, like, the alien is like, you guys are turning into murderous people. We're here to stop you. You should talk to us. Like, we're only communicating with you now because we know you invented the language computer. (laughs) Finally, after we've created this computer eons ago. Yeah. They're so humble brag through this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Most condescending people (laughs) ever. Uh, The ruler says, hey, go send one of these zombies to attack the people, but then use a machine to kill the zombie to make it think like they killed it. Right. I don't really understand why he told him to do this. I did not either. Uh, but that's what he decides to do. Mm-hmm. So then old man zombie, a.k.a. Bella Lugosi, he is attacking the police officer while the Colonel Edwards guy and the new inspector detective are sitting in the trench backyard and they shoot at the, the zombie and it turns into bones because of the aliens. I should also point out the vampire zombie literally just walks out from behind a grave <laughs> and then walks back. Like, that's like her job the, the, the whole entire movie. movie. I've n- I never saw her do anything else. She, yeah, I, I don't think she ever did anything. I don't think so. And I think it was the same footage every time. It looks like it could have been the same footage. She could only afford, like, one day of shooting. Apparently. Um. So then they talk, they, um... They go to the um, the graveyard. They leave the wife in the car with the the one cop, and then they decide the air. They what am I trying to say? They go to the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Jeff, the colonel, and the inspector detective, mm-hmm. and we find out that Eros, the alien, is waiting for them. And we don't really know what the plan is for anybody. They're just going to check out the spaceship. Mm-hmm. We should point out that at this point, like, an hour and 15 minutes have gone by. Yeah, and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. I mean, there's not even anything we could talk about because it was literally just scenes of these graveyard people walking around and them in the plane and that one really weird scene in the cockpit. Yeah. And that was it. So anyways, they go into the ship. Right. The three guys. Mm Mm-hmm. They talk to Eros. He calls him stupid. Yeah. These are some mean aliens. Oh, yeah. He is a super jerk. Yes. Apparently, they've also perfected being a jerk (laughs) beyond ahead of human beings. And they were. And he insults the the Earth people for being pig-headed. Right. Explains the weapon. 
explains what they're trying to do, but doesn't explain what they're trying to do. No. Just explains that, like, they're building this weapon and they're there to stop them. Right, right. But doesn't explain how. Right. Uh, the, the Tor Johnson zombie takes the guy's wife and starts to bring her back to the spaceship, but then yeah. stops for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm not sure. And, I mean, basically, like, a fight breaks out. I was trying to remember what exactly started that fight, and I couldn't really recall, but I remember that, like, it really escalated very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know what... I think Arrow says something, and Jeff's like, uh-uh, and then starts, like, fighting them. And Does then he say fighting. something about, like, we have your wife? Was that what it was? Well, he did say that he has the wife, uh-huh. and, like, he could view her being held by, like, unconscious. Yeah. Let's back up for a second. Because I keep remembering funny things that happen. Okay. Afterward. So from, like, the point that the wife in the car gets taken by the zombie Mm -hmm. to, like, the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. none of her dialogue matches up. In fact, she's in the car, and he's opening the door, and you hear her screaming, but it looks like she's yawning. Yeah. And then she just, like, falls asleep. Yeah. Which I've never seen anybody faint like that. No. Because they say that she fainted. Right. And then later in the movie, like, you can't really see her mouth as she's, like, falling to the ground. And she's like, I don't remember what she says, but <laughs> it didn't line up. Uh, so a fight breaks out. The spaceship catches on fire. And the guys all escape. The zombies all get turned to bones. And the spaceship explodes. The aliens get turned to bones, too. Because the spaceship explodes. Right. Um... And then that's... They dead? That's it. That's it. And uh, Criswell tells us, like, this is exactly how the future happened based right. on sworn testimony. So what happens? We beat the aliens and we apparently are still going to build that weapon. Yeah. So, like, apparently we're still going to build this weapon. Right. They said that our scientists were already working on it. Right. The people seem... Zero percent concerned about this. Yeah. Uh, despite the aliens being jerks, I think they were the good guys of this story. <laughs> right. Uh, and, okay, so, like, one ship is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Is there a Plan 10? Right. Are, Are there, there going to other... be more alien visits? Yeah. And, like, he said what happened on that fateful day. Well, nothing really happened. A couple of people were raised from the dead. Some, nobody died. No one died. Except for people who are already dead. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know either. But another one of my favorite lines is when the alien, I think it's the general alien, says, as long as humans can think, they'll always be a problem. Yeah. Accurate. (laughs) What does that even mean? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, that's pretty much like all, all, that's like the whole movie. It really is the whole movie and nothing happened and you're left like with, I don't know what I just watched or what the plan was or if it was successful or failed. I guess the humans are alive, so I guess I'm happy. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this movie was kind of ahead of its time in terms of content. Yeah. 
because let's think about this. It's what year did I say this came out? Nineteen fifty nine. Yeah. Uh, also, fun fact: this movie was finished in nineteen fifty seven. But it didn't come out until 59? Yeah. Because of editing? Please don't tell me because of editing. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, he had a premiere for it in 57. Oh. It just didn't, like, come out until, like, 19. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, this is 1959. You know, the, the most recent war in memory. I'm probably forgetting one. But was World War II, mm-hmm. you know, dropping the atom bomb, knowing that the hydrogen bomb exists. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ed Wood was trying to make a statement about human being, humankind's propensity for violence. Yeah. And how we don't listen to those people who try to stop us from being violent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he made a bad, I mean, it wasn't like great, but it wasn't necessarily that bad either it was a very cheesy 50s horror film yeah i don't really know why this one became notable for being like the so bad it's good yeah i don't know either maybe because it just the story itself didn't make sense but it's watchable the acting's kind of poor i don't know It, it just it wasn't that bad yeah i would definitely watch it again yeah i would too there's also the idea of like the government conspiracy to like cover up aliens mm-hmm Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. I'm trying I, to think of, like, positive things to say about it now that we talked about how little sense it makes. Um, <laughs> I think at the root of everything, he could have had a really good story. Yeah, for certain, certainly. I think, um, I mean, it's, it's not a bad story. No. It's watchable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the acting isn't the worst I've seen. But it's pretty bad. Yeah, but like compare it to like um the room. Oh yeah. It's room. better than the room. So Yeah. And plus like the nineteen fifties were just like a people were just better human beings at that time, so Yeah. I I appreciated that. Remember when, like, in the 50s, this is going to be Caitlin's side rant on the podcast. In the 40s and 50s and even before that, they had, like, you were known by your character. Mm-hmm. And everyone pretty much grew in a, grew up in a smallish town and they all knew you by your character. And if you had a good character, if you were a hard worker, they would know this by just knowing your name. They'd be like, oh, uh, Matt Smith? Yeah, he is wonderful. Like, he's a hard worker. Of course, we'll give you some extra eggs this week because Matt needs them or whatever. I have no idea where you're going with this. Oh, well, because, like, in the movie, the guy, he takes, he, like, just wants to protect his wife. And he's like, come on, you need to get inside and lock the doors and be safe and... Like, I just appreciate the nuances like that of that time period. So that is one thing that I appreciated about the film. I'm trying to look for positives here. I appreciate that. Um, so is there, what, what would you do to improve this movie? Oh, my goodness. I think it needs to make sense. But I actually, so, okay, what if... It was 
it was just, it like turned out to just be a kid playing with his toys. I feel like that would make the movie make more sense because it's just like so imaginative that it could just be like this kid making up some crazy story, him and his dad playing with his action figures and monster action figures of the time. Like he's, uh, like maybe this is like him trying to figure out the world. Yeah. Like trying to make sense of it. Yeah, like you can start off with like a nice modern day 1950s family sitting on the couch watching the news. And then it talks about, um, you know, the U.S. building a bomb or whatever. Um, fear of the nuclear bomb. And then the new kind of like TV turns off and then all of a sudden we're introduced to this these characters and then at the end we realize it was just a kid trying to play with his toys and figure out the world. So it's like Mad Men meets the Lego movie. Yeah. Okay. John Hamm can play be the dad. Okay. I bet he was alive this time. He could be the little boy. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> We're going to go back in time and make this in 1959. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a good movie. I think it has a... I feel like if you wanted to do something just bare minimum to, to make this movie make sense, that's what you would need to do. Is just like reframe the logic through yeah. that of a child. Yeah. Okay, what if you were, like, not trying to do that? <laughs> You'd have to scrap this movie. <laughs> I mean, you could not make this movie make sense without rewriting it. This is true. Who knows? Uh, there's a remake for this movie that came out in, like, 2015-16 It does not look good. It does not look better than this movie. However... It looks like they had more to work with, so that's what we're going to be covering next week. Yeah, but the first 30 seconds that I did watch of the new movie, I think the acting was worse than this movie. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to uh, wait and see. Oh, boy. But that's what we're watching for next week. Is it longer? Tidbit. I don't know. I think it's longer, too, so it's going to be like, now this might be the worst movie ever made, the remake of Plan 9. Because if it's longer and they have bad acting, oh boy. I don't know. But the tagline for the movie is, the movie Ed Wood wish he could have made. Which, that's not true. Trust me. I think he made the movie he wanted to exactly. make. Exactly. I think he liked what he got. So. I don't know. IMDb's not loading. It's okay. We'll save it for next week. Yeah. I'm actually really excited to watch that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. And one of the the police officers from the original Plan 9 mm-hmm. is in it. It's like another character. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have any ways to make this movie better? Honestly, if I could just understand what the aliens are trying to do. <laughs> like that that's, would do it for that, you. That's bare minimum. That's all I would need. See, see, wouldn't it be better if you reframed it through the mind of a child? Yeah, but... And then, like, aliens, they think of, like, people from another country that they don't understand entirely. They think of space and just, Yeah, like... yeah, but I'm not <laughs> trying to look at the movie that way. Like, if, it, if we were to take it at face yeah. value... But that would make the movie better, right? 
that would make this movie make sense. Okay. But this is how do we make it better? Well, I think that would make it better. It would make it better. <laughs> uh, I think that... Insert obligatory Tom Hardy joke here. <laughs> uh, I think the alien plan would have to make sense. Yes. I think a brief montage of seeing plans one through eight yeah. happening. Like maybe that's the opening credits of the movie is seeing plans one through eight failing. Okay. And maybe at this point, by the time we reach plan nine, mm-hmm. like maybe plan one is like, hey, let's just try to talk, guys. Okay. And then plan nine is like, these people aren't listening. They We're don't want anything to, to do. We're going to have to blow up their planet. We're going to have to blow up the planet. Right. And then they're just like, you know what? Raising zombies. Let's just zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And then like the whole movie is just cutting back and forth between some survivors in the zombie apocalypse and like the people in the spaceship. And they're like, maybe they're doing like a Madden play by play talking about like their next plan and everything. I think that could work. Work. Yeah, I mean that's like that's my loose idea of what okay. I've got so far. I get on board with that. Will this couple last? Uh, Trent and yes, his wife. Yeah. The funny thing, another funny line about in this movie is when I oh I forget exactly what he says. Eros during the end, like he. Says something about, like, we use our women for continuing our race, yeah. not not sending them to do our business. Right. It's like, what, what are you talking <laughs> about? When did Trent ever do anything like that with his wife? He kept her in the car he the whole time. I know. That was great. And, like, I think he hits his assistant whenever he does that, like, pushes her out of the way <laughs> and tells her to, like, turn all the dials and stuff. Yeah. So... I think that was Ed Wood, like, saying, like, we need to come out of this women oppression stage and yeah, our women I think, have more power. I think Ed was dealing with a lot of ideas, <laughs> and he just needed to fit them all in here. And he did. And he, he did. He fit all of his ideas in there. <laughs> but the movie didn't really say, I mean, it kind of had an overarching message to it, I yeah. guess. Aliens. And we're building weapons. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think Trent and his wife are going to be fine. I think they'll be good. I think they'll they might last. need some some PTSD counseling, but yeah. they'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be Depending fine. on how actually tra- traumatic this was. Yeah. I don't know. The wife must have narcolepsy, so she probably won't remember it. Oh, yeah. She slept through everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? I feel like there's something that we didn't cover, but I feel like we covered all the bases. We're, so I did have a question about the, um, the people who were brought back to life, I guess. Okay. Were they supposed to look like, um, like, so the one guy looks like Dracula. Was he supposed to look like Dracula? Like. I think that was just Ed Wood trying to use the footage of Bela Lugosi in his Dracula costume. So he just needed, like, for continuity. Okay, because, like, I was expecting, like, Frankenstein to show up. Like, they just, even the woman, she looked like the lady from the Adams Family, and it just felt like it was a very, like, ooh, 1950s horror 
monster. Like this is the origin of like the monsters or the Adams family kind of. Yeah, or like they brought back to life all the great monster characters in the early 1940s and 50s. Well, I don't really know about Vampira because Tor Johnson just kind of looked like a large zombie. Yeah, I know. Um, But I mean, I think she just, I think Ed Wood just used the look that she was known for in every movie. So that was just her doing her thing. They should have made the the movie to where the aliens brought back all of the great classic monsters of the time. Oh my gosh. What if, do you remember that movie Monster Squad? Yeah. Like, what if it was like that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they, instead of bringing back all the zombies, they brought back all the classics. Exactly. Like, you got Frankenstein. Yeah, but then then there's only like five of them. That'd be intense. Right? <laughs> no, I'm like you can pull any of them. You can you can do the lot. Like there's monster. a different do... regional monster. Yeah. Like the Jersey Devil or the Chupacabra. Yeah. This just turned into a wildly crazy movie. <laughs> it would be great, wouldn't it? It would be something else. It would almost be a mashup of like the new Godzilla movie too. Yeah. It'd be good. It would be different. I would watch it. I would also watch that movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, like I said, this is probably going to be one of our shorter podcasts because this movie is so short and easy to get through. That being said, where does it fall on our definitive bad movie mm. date night ranking list? Let me see. I would... I think I would have it take the number six spot. Number six? Yeah. We're just going to keep pushing Battlefield Earth down? I feel like that's what we're doing. Um, I don't really feel like I would watch this movie anytime soon again. I would watch it before Battlefield Earth, I'll tell you that much. This is true. Um, I could I could put it in spot number six. It's got to be above when in Rome and the killers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was so. thinking anywhere between number six and I think eight. actually it could take the number eight spot. So push know. down the wicker man. You'd yeah. rather watch Jason X again than this? No. Or you think, no. not would you rather, but like you think <laughs> that Jason X is a more enjoyable bad movie. Yeah. Than this was? Yes. Okay. What are you thinking? I don't know. I think this should go... I kind of think it should go in number six. That's why he said first. Okay, I know, but it. after I, th- I was thinking about it, that's why I, th- right. I feel like it works there. All right. I like it there. All right. So Battlefield Earth is going down to number seven, and Plan 9 from Outer Space is taking the number six spot on our definitive bad movie date night ranking list. Woot woot. And if you want an update on the list, you can always see it on Instagram. Try to update it weekly. Yes. Um, We're going to watch Plan 9 next week, which is the remake of Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt it's going to be the best movie ever made. It's on Amazon Prime in case you want to watch it with us. Yes. And I feel like this episode will show... I feel like this episode was so short that we should have live streamed it. We should have. Or like doubled up. 
That's what we should have done. Yes, yeah. we should have done both Plan Nine movies at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do a double length episode. That's right. Then we could compare and contrast. Yeah, but I think we're going to do a lot of compare and contrasting. So yeah. maybe like this week will be shorter and next week will be longer. Mm-hmm. And they will all be about Plan Nine. Plan Nine in some way, shape, and or form. That's right. I have literally nothing else to say about this movie. Right. Well, I'm going to go take some more cold medicine then and uh, take a nap. You do that. And (laughs) for our listeners, you can always follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Journey into Film. You should also hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. That's right. Our schedule's been a little sporadic recently, but we still try to release every week Mm -hmm. until somebody's finished with their test. And uh, as always, go to uh, ajourneyintofilm.com to read some cool movie reviews and some interesting essays on good movies. Yes, my husband is a phenomenal writer, so you should go check out his blog. Um, that's all I got to say. Okay. Until next week. You want to end it with your fun little, like, uh, little fun little thing that you do? Nope. No. <laughs> okay, guys. Bye.